He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program. Crash Barry here. Today on Disinfomaniacs, we'll be discussing a neo-Nazi with plans to build a tiny home compound in Maine. So listener beware, this episode is not for children or the sensitive. Please rate and review and tell your friends and family about the show. Tell a stranger about the show. Also, you can support our independent journalism and stories that go places others won't via Patreon. Visit CrashBerry.com for the details. Now... On with the show. Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the disinfomaniacs. Content warning, this episode deals with neo-Nazis and their evil behavior and attitudes. Be warned, this is not for the very sensitive or for children. Welcome to Disinfomaniacs, Episode 3. I'm Crash Barry. Joining me is Andy O'Brien. How's it going? And not with us this week is Nathan Bernard, who's off on an undercover assignment. Today, we're going to be telling you the story of a neo-Nazi influencer and itinerant tattooist who goes by the name of Hammer, who has plans to build a tiny house compound for neo-Nazis and their families in Maine on 10 acres of land that he owns in a little town about an hour northeast of Bangor. Also, this guy, Hammer is the dude spotted leading a dozen red-shirted and armed masked men with swastika flags on Saturday, March 11th, in Wadsworth, Ohio, protesting the, quote, rock and roll humanist drag queen story hour. Okay, so Andy, I'm pretty sure you remember 34-year-old Chris Holhouse, also known as Hammer? Oh, sure, yeah. Back in June 2021, when uh, Vice News... And Ben Makuch reported on this, quote, leaked chats show ex-Marine wants to make Maine safe space for neo-Nazis. Yikes. You remember that story, though, right? Yeah, Vice did that whole expose. The main media kind of ignored it for a while, and then they were forced to. Um, yeah, but I haven't heard much about him recently. He showed up once again in late October 2022. That's when he was in the news again. And that was after he was ID'd because of his distinctive face tattoos as one of the like two dozen chuds and the NSC 131 who marched in Lewiston in October when they were attempting to intimidate local residents, local residents of color, obviously. And at the time, Vice News and other media outlets in Maine reported that Hammer had moved to Maine, but there were no further details about his location. Andy, uh, please give us a brief explainer on NSC 131, just so we know who Hammer is hanging out with. 
NSC 131 are a bunch of neo-Nazis, um, and they have chapters basically in New England, although they say they have some others in Europe. Um, you know, they see themselves as these, like, soldiers who are going to uh, take on the Jewish-controlled government and, and uh, you know, create some sort of um, white nationalist utopia. I mean, classic neo-Nazis. Um I believe NSC uh, is sort of this 131 is alphanumeric code uh, for anti ACA, anti-communist action uh, or anti-capitalist action. Um, and so basically what they do is they come to various towns around northern New England, Massachusetts, and they show their banners, you know, keep Kittery white or keep Boston white. I think it's keep Boston Irish, actually. I think in Boston they were using keep Boston Irish. Wow, which is hilarious because the Irish were never considered white <laughs> up until, you know, several generations later. They were portrayed as these simian-like creatures in the media. The most well-known um, <laughs> NSC uh, 131 member in Maine was Andrew Hazelton. Oh, yes. He was... Uh, trying to recruit around Portland, but it turned out he was a pedophile. Um, and he went to jail for uh, possessing child porn. He was harassing um, some young girl um, in Maine as well. Uh, and that was, you know, didn't look good uh, for NSC uh, 131. And, you know, they, they've they had these rallies in Lewiston and, and put up flyers in Portland. The founder, Chris Hood, uh, is a former member of the base which is a sort of uh, hardcore Nazi accelerationist group, kind of like uh, Adam Waffen, uh, crawling with feds. Uh, it said it may be a a, a honeypot uh, <laughs> set up by the feds. Um, and so they're bad dudes. They're bad dudes. My, my favorite story, though, is when um, Ken Kesey from the Dropkick Murphys, Ken Casey, threw <laughs> challenged them to a fight after they had appeared at the Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade with the Keep Boston Irish banner. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, meet me in the park. And of course, they never showed up. They like to they like to put on masks, you know, jump into an unmarked car and then jump out, do a little flash mob and run away. At the time of the Lewiston rally, details about Hammer and his precise location in Maine were very scarce. But after I saw him reappear this weekend in Ohio, and he's wearing a, a sidearm, you're going to see this video in a second, he's wearing a gun and carrying a swastika flag, I decided I'd go back and I'd investigate his main connections. So I used um, land deeds, 4chan message boards, uh, telegram posts, uh, videos from Hammer and others, and I was able to kind of stitch together a very rough sketch of his activities in the recent months. And Andy, let me tell you, this is a crazy story. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Okay. First, let's watch these videos by journalist Ford Fisher, who's a great Twitter uh, follow if you're looking for uh, on-the-ground documentary filmmaking, Ford Fisher, and that's F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And it's from the Ohio protests last Saturday Content warning, like I said, for this whole show, all sorts of disgusting Nazi stuff, but there's disgusting chants by Nazis 
in this audio. And Pole House, Hammer, he'll be the easy one to spot, Andy. He's the unmasked white skinhead. And he has a kind of scalp, face, and neck tattoo. He's wearing a red shirt. And sometimes he's holding the swastika flag and leading the chanting. And he's the only red shirt of the, like, dozen of them, by the way, that's not wearing a mask. These are really the orcs of the neo-Nazi movement. You know, you know, you have these kind of nerdy online dudes like the Groypers. Uh, you have the sort of intellectual types like the um, Richard Spencers of the world. And then you have these guys. Just they're just they sound like orcs, you know, we shall feast on man flesh. Just totally roided out orcs. Well, that's that must have been very scary uh for the people there for the in support of the drag yeah. story hour because they were as you can see, they were outnumbered. The chuds outnumbered the people hundreds. There are hundreds of chuds there. From various groups, we know that Patriot Front was there, uh, a White Lives Matter group was there, some Proud Boys, and of course, uh, Pole House and his group, as you can see in the in their red sweatshirts, they're called the Blood Tribe, and this is the Blood Tribe of Ohio chapter, brand new. This is only their second action, okay? But after seeing this video of him in action, it's obvious why Pole House is well known in extremist circles because of his violent rhetoric. And he's like a, I mean, for lack of a better word, he's kind of charismatic. And as we'll hear later, he's very fond of bragging about his land in Maine as this refuge for his fellow neo-Nazis and members of the so-called uh, blood tribe. And like so many of these wannabe cult leaders, he's a grifter. He has a store. We'll talk about that. Unlike many of them, he has a skill, I guess, as a tattoo artist who specializes in giving tattoos that legit tattoo artists wouldn't even consider doing, okay? So here's some tape from his Telegram channel talking about tattooing. I've always had a good time with uh, movement folks doing tattoo events like this. And I can offer, um, you know, ink that most tattoo artists are going to refuse to do, which is nice. And even if they don't refuse, like I... I've seen them uh, purposely scar guys that have like, for example, I know a guy who got a black stone on his elbow. They obviously put him in the wrong place, overworked, and who knows if that guy did that just to get back at him. He's gonna get the money out of him, but he's gonna scar him and fuck the tattoo up intentionally, right? So I can offer that. That's um, a unique a unique niche that uh, I, I've got cornered. So let me know, man. First of all, uh, that's a, a, a niche market because most tattoo artists obviously won't do uh, white supremacist stuff. And I liked how he said that, like, there's tattoo artists that will intentionally mess up ink. <laughs> if you, you know, oh, give me a swastika, they're going to make it look bad. Or he said a black sun on the elbow of one of his comrades. Like many of the chuds, 
he has merchandise for sale in addition to his tattoo business. And I hate to say this, it's a pretty popular type of gear. And he sells his merchandise through this very, I want to say very, 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 very vile online bookstore. We're not going to name it because we don't want to platform them. But it's like literally the world's nastiest bookstore. Like every awful book you can imagine from Hitler to whoever is on this thing. And uh, Andy, if you could take a look at that, uh, his stuff for sale. Do you have the link there? Yeah. So um, a lot of racist flags. Um, it's a lot of versions of the swastika with like different colors, a British flag with a swastika flag. I think that's a Canadian flag with a swastika flag. What about the main flag? Do you see the main flag? Click on that. Okay, I don't understand the main flag. It looks like it's... Yeah, I don't either. Is it supposed to be like the dawn, like dawn land or something? Because it's it's like colors of like the sun. It looks like sort of colors of the dawn or, or, or dusk or something. It doesn't make sense in connection to Maine. I'm wondering if he just came up with the design so that he could have a product called the Maine swastika flag. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's not like there's pine trees on it because that's a rune. On the corner that's not a pine tree right i mean he's just a scum bucket it's all bad the the flags the banners he also sells ball caps with swastikas on it but andy can you tell what's listed as his most popular product so his most popular product are the hammer shades and skull masks <laughs> and i just want to say like all these flags like what is up with these guys and their flags they just love flags it's it's a total larp for these guys we could do a whole episode on just the flags of these guys i mean we know from tom krasinski in maine to everybody they all have their own flags and ever since you could get flags made to order it's become a, even a bigger thing it makes you look real legit that you've got a flag little do people know there's like only one or two versions of that flag but that you know Hammer shades and skull mask, $25.95. That's what it is, right? What is it? Is it like an Oakley? It's like an Oakley shade with like an SS symbol and hammer waffen on it. Yeah, well, the, it's a it's probably Oakley knockoffs, right? Made in China or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, they're just, I mean, obviously they identify you now as a chud if you're wearing these, especially when it says <laughs> hammer waffen, hammer, hammer weapon, but basically. Hammer of Wathen, if we'd say, yeah. right? And uh, on on the arm of the sunglass. And I think anybody that's been paying attention to the far right or January 6th, you will recognize the skull masks too, right? Those skull masks are very common. Oh, yeah. And um, if you look closely at the video from Saturday's protest, most of the guys in the Ohio chapter of the Blood Tribe are wearing those shades and oh, yeah. they're flying the swastika battle flags from his store too, which uh, retail for $34. Uh, that's a Nazi flag for 34 bucks. So when I checked it out, uh, the store three days ago, there were only four of those battle flags in stock. And then uh, today when I checked, they're sold out. But what I was wondering is like when I've seen the blood tribe fellows wearing his gear, if he, charges them full price for the shades yeah or is there a discount it's such a prime example of how hate is just one big grift back in the 1920s when the clan was big in maine you know it operated kind of like a pyramid scheme so you would have um 
basically it, it was sort of a bigoted social club, but they had this wildly successful multi-level marketing structure. Um, you know, kind of like as if as it's been called the Amway of hate. Um, <laughs> and then, so you had like an initiation fee, we called the Cleck token, and then four dollars would go to the Kleagle, which is the salesman, and then a dollar to the King Kleagle, the you know who is the head of the organization, and then two fifty to the state's Grand Dragon, you know, fifty cents to the Grand Goblin, and at the same time. They were encouraged to buy all these different kinds of clan merchandise, you know, the clan swords, the Bibles, the helmets, and candy, and life insurance, and of course the robes and hoods and everything. And so, wow, all these guys are always trying to recreate that because it, you know it was very lucrative back then. If they can, he can get everybody to wear his his shades and his and his um, fly his cheesy flags and and all that kind of stuff. That's the ultimate goal: how to make money off it. Well, he, he makes money off it because I've seen these um, kind of compilation videos of, I'm talking like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of chuds wearing the skull mask and the shades. And one of Hammer's most infamous uh, customers, by the way, according to Robert Evans, the great podcaster and journalist, while he was reporting for Bellingcat, which is this indie collective of researchers who look at like global nerd wells, check out Bellingcat. They're great. Hammer's most notorious customer would be Riley June Williams. She's a 23-year-old groper accused of stealing Nancy Pelosi's laptop during the January 6th insurrection. Anything in that merchandise uh, section that uh, you would buy, Andy? <laughs> I, I can't think of anything um, because everything has Nazi symbols on it. And it's just like, are are these guys trying to blend in? Because it seems like they're always trying to hide their identities. But like, if you see a chud wearing any of this stuff, you know who they are, what they represent. And they wear the mask too, of course. Yeah, it's a it's part of the uniform. He is against, by the way, uh, being out with your hatred. He's he prefers the blood tribe hide their tattoos underneath t-shirts and stuff because. He's been through, as we'll see, he's been through the ringer and he doesn't want his followers to have to go uh, through the same thing. So he he's on several occasions. I've heard him say stuff about like, you know, you want to kind of hide your identity. You don't want to get doxxed. Let's take a look at what uh, Hammer has been up to in Maine. Okay. Since he first appeared on the radar back in June 2021 on that Vice News story. After the June 21st story, he's kind of chill we don't hear much about him he does a uh a couple of live streams where he encourages perhaps his followers to shoot truck drivers as a way to disrupt the uh supply chain but then he backs down on that and says he was he was talking hypothetically but then on march 11th 2022 this is according to a mortgage deed i found in penobscot county Hammer and this dude named Fred Ramey signed a promissory note for $25,000 in exchange for a 10.6-acre lot in the small town of Springfield, which is in Penobscot County, uh, northeast of Bangor. It's quite close to the town of Lee and the bigger town of Lincoln. Both those towns will come up later. And according to the promissory note, the whole payment is due in about four years. 
Now, I haven't been able to find out much about Ramey other than he and Hammer were roommates at one time in Wyoming. And a couple months after buying the land together, Ramey registered an LLC called, you're going to love the name of this one, Andy, White Working Class Consulting. That's his LLC. Uh, he doesn't seem to have done anything with that LLC. He's pretty much a ghost, this Ramey fella. I'm assuming he's somehow the money man. Okay, so into the summer and into the fall of last year, 2022, Hammer was trying to lure his followers to come up to the land and and help build this community of Nazis. He was on a lot of podcasts talking about come to Maine. Uh, I listened to one where he was talking about, you know what's so great about Maine up here is that the uh, people working in the convenience stores are white. That was just, you know, uh, you know, white old ladies run gas stations. You don't see, and he's he uses the N-word all the time. So he's trying to get all these people to move up to Maine. During that time, he was apparently staying with some local friends in the nearby town of Lee while telling thousands and thousands of followers online uh, about his plan to build these little tiny houses with lumber milled from Hemlock on the land. So he's living with normies, okay? Not Nazis, normies in Lee or perhaps Lincoln. I don't want to pinpoint. It's one of those two towns, Lee or Lincoln. And uh, by the fall of 2022, so this past fall, he claimed that he was having weekly visitors. And that's about the time that he joined up with NSC 131 gang down in Lewiston. And there's some talk on the street back then that some of those fellas followed him up to Springfield to camp out and explore the 10 acres. Also, you know, during that time period of leading up to last fall, when he was podcasting on a regular basis, often one of his guests would be these two dudes from NSC 131 as like a part of the uh, peanut gallery in his uh, podcast, which was called Hammerstream. In December of 2022, Hammer was living and working with a friend in Lee or Lincoln, and he was very excited about the future prospects for his land. However, he started facing some obstacles, all right? Uh, consider, if you will, the walled tent he set up for this chud gathering at Christmas. Andy, I sent you the pictures. Do you see that, that, that white tent? Yes. <laughs> uh, and do you see the wood stoves? The, the two wood stoves, too. He's got two wood stoves. Outside. Is he cooking with those? Or no, those no. Those are going to go in the tent. Those were going in the tent. Okay. Those are good wood stoves, actually. I, I, I didn't know about this feature on those types of wood stoves. They have a little stainless steel box for water, so you can get hot water off your stove. Great. It's a nice stove. So he's got that tent, that white tent, uh, and those two wood stoves. A Andy, how do you think that's going to last during a main winter? I mean, it's not great. People do camp out in Maine. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are unhoused. Uh, but I just, it would be living in one of those with a whole bunch of chuds. Could you imagine the smell? Oh, my. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just. The stink of, of loneliness. How many people did he did he have this first winter? Was it just him? And You're going to find out about that. So nobody actually stayed in that tent because guess what? After the first snowstorm, maybe six inches. Here, I sent you another photo here. Oh, oh, it collapsed. <laughs> okay, so the first snowstorm it collapsed, but Hammer, uh, ever the leader, 
vowed to rebuild the tent next year, what, and he'll frame out wooden walls and add a wooden roof to the tent, which, after I heard him say that, I wanted to tell him, hey, dude, uh, that makes it into a building. That's not a tent anymore if you have these wooden walls and then you build a wooden roof. So he's he's he may talk like he knows what he's talking about with construction and homesteading, but he really doesn't. You know, first I thought that like, oh, this is like these guys are like paramilitary types. They know what they're doing. Nope. <laughs> like Boy Scouts doing their one winter camp out a year. And <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to go to like the the the. the the town and get a permit i would imagine to build whatever he's building but i have a hard time finding the building code for springfield it's very difficult to get in touch with anyone there because their phone number is picked up by a fax machine and there's it's a really little town um so i'm not sure what the building code is but in rural maine you don't know this because you live in the big city on the coast in rural maine as long as the buildings are below certain sizes in my town for instance it's 10 by 20 you can build a 10 by 20 building without getting a building permit so now in terms of uh sewage and all that other stuff that's going to come up a little later i'll talk about that by the way it was christmas time when a bunch of the uh chuds were coming up and that's when the tent had collapsed so there was no tent for the chuds but they brought their own little tents and they had a great time so there were a bunch of chuds there on christmas and the day after christmas and which is kind of weird because We'll find out later, well, I'll tell you right now, he's not a Christian, okay? He's he's a pagan, and he's one of the bad pagans. So we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but there's good pagans and bad pagans, like there are Nazi pagans and not Nazi, leftist pagans. And I've been doing some research on this for a little while, and it's fascinating. We're going to talk about it, probably do another episode about it, but they're the bad pagans are bad, and eight of them joined him on New Year's Eve for a party where and this is in his words, they sacrificed a goat, okay? But in my words, they roasted a goat over an open fire of applewood. I watched the footage of the video, and it's a goat leg uh, coated with herbs and wrapped in tinfoil that they cook on the fire. So he seemed to be in pretty good spirits there for the around the new year, okay? Yeah. This is when things start to get interesting. Basically, at the start of 2023... He had a Telegram account with about 7,000 subscribers. And then, according to this video that he posted a couple weeks later, he'd been having health concerns, and he decided to go quiet digitally, and, and he wiped all his social media posts, which he said in another video took a long time because of Telegram. It's very difficult. You have to, in, in order to uh, wipe your account, it's, it's a lot of deleting and he didn't do a good job, I'll say. But also on the internet, nothing is 100% gone. So I was able to track his re-wiping of Telegram accounts. I, I couldn't see any of the photos, just the text. So from the text, it was apparent that he was a very early adopter back in 2021 of White Lives Matter. And he was involved in the White Lives Matter. And there are lots of links or names of people that he was in the uh, his podcast with, um, which I said was called Hammerstream. And I've watched some of them. They're full of hate, full of hate. I don't recommend it. And they're not that compelling. But his guests were like major league baddies, like heavyweights. Uh, Monica Schaefer, she's this kind of infamous Canadian Holocaust denier. Back in 2018, she was convicted in Germany uh, for incitement to hatred charges. She did 10 months in prison there. 
Uh, but she was on, she was actually on twice because he did this really long interview with her. And then they get done with the interview and he realizes that he forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> so he did like a two hour interview with this famous Canadian Nazi Holocaust denier and he didn't have it on tape. So then she came back and they did it again. He also had on Billy Roper. You and I both know Billy Roper and he's that oh, yeah. Arkansas neo-Nazi. He's been on the show at least twice. A guy named uh, Thomas Sewell. Thomas Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L. He's an Australian neo-Nazi. He's been on a bunch of times. And there are many other less famous but equally hateful racists on this podcast. So anyways, around the start of 2023, all those podcasts and all his old Telegram channels disappeared. Around the same time, he would explain later on, he was sobering up. No booze, no weed, and get this, no more steroids. That's it. He was done with the steroids. Wow. Which he'd been taking on a regular basis for at least the last 12 years. Okay. Clearly, I've seen some shirtless pics of him. Yes. He's buff. He's, he's buff. And he encourages that sort of behavior with the blood tribe. Like, he doesn't want any, like, basement-dwelling fat guys. He wants you to be ready to fight, you know? Right. Right. So then on January 19th, he comes back to Telegram. And this is his first appearance on Telegram, in a channel called The Camps, okay? That's his kind of vetting ground for joining the blood tribe. Like, you have to get by the guys in the camps in order to get into the blood tribe. Anyways, he posted a 36-minute video in the camps telling his boys that he'd eliminated, like, all his previous content because of the health concerns, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes on and tells a very long tale about his attempt to visit a woman in England and a pal in Ireland, how this trip went bad. Okay, so before we get into this story, remember, it's from his perspective, so we have to take it with a grain of salt because he's a Nazi and Nazis lie, and he's a Nazi influencer, which is even worse. So, Andy, I'm hoping that for the rest of this episode, you will serve as judge and jury. And decide whether or not Hammer has turned into a federal asset, okay? Mm, that's a big burden. I feel you're up to the task. And he might not be a federal agent. He might be an informant. He might not have anything to do with them. He might be what we call a honeypot. Uh, we'll go into that more. But he reveals a lot in this live stream, okay? It was very long and complicated. So I'm going to condense the tale. So according to Hammer, this is what happened. Sometime in early January, he packed up all his tattooing gear and his racist T-shirts into his luggage and went to the Bangor International Airport and bought a one-way ticket headed to Manchester, England, eventually, uh, for a little vacation, holiday. One-way ticket. One way. He didn't know how long he was going to be there. That's why he bought the one-way ticket. After being searched twice in Bangor, and then uh, the flight went from Bangor to New York, then to Boston, and he was searched again twice in Boston. Then he was finally able to board a flight to Lisbon, Portugal, where he had a brief layover, and then on to Manchester in England. So he complains that he's getting searched, but if you take a look at this guy, I'm kind of glad they're searching him. He looks nuts, right? He's got a swastika on it, tattooed on his chest. <laughs> yeah, but you can't see that because he's wearing a shirt. No, but and he's got, he's got, got the like head face. tattoo, but he wears a cowboy hat sometimes. He does wear a oh. black cowboy hat. So, and uh, at one point he actually had a beard, but he hasn't had a beard in about a year. 
Okay, so he gets to England, right? And the first thing that happens is the British customs agent spotted his ink kit, you know, his needle gun, all that stuff, and realized that this guy is a tattooist and that he didn't have a work permit. So they pulled him aside. So they're like, okay, why do you have this tattoo gear? He's like, oh, I'm going to do some tattooing while I'm here. And they're like, you have to get a work permit. He's like, oh, I was going to get one when I got here. And they're like, nah, that's not the way it works. You have to get a work permit before you come here. He's like, what? And then they obviously do a Google search. And the internet tells the British that Hammer was an undesirable, right? So they started to look real hard at him and his luggage. All right, I'm going to let him tell us what happened next. At first, they it seemed like they didn't really uh, know why the thing's flagging me, right? But after a while, right, so I've got my swastika necklace in the bag. Another mistake, right? Okay, so I've made a few mistakes. I wanted to bring it with me. Why? Obviously, some symbolism of it or, get it, you know, you get it. So I've got my swastika necklace. I have this right here. Lucky Reich's mark with me. All right. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pause that for a second. <laughs> the dude has a Lucky Reich mark. Have you ever heard anything about that? I I did. I got to admit, I didn't know anything about the Reich mark. Did you know that? I don't know. Are they like like Nazi chocolate coins? You know, you could just no. They're like... real coins. They were minted by the Nazis, and these dudes collect them. And carry them around. Reichmark turned into the Deutschmark, obviously, right? It was the it was the the coinage back in the day. I was not familiar that was a thing, but he has a lucky Deutschmark that he kept in his pocket. So when he had to empty his pocket, uh, you know, the the border guard can look at it and say, "Oh." I used to get searched a lot, but it was mostly because I'd carry stuff like Howard Zinn and stuff, and they'd look at my books and everything. This is after September 11. This guy's coming in with, like, swastika necklaces. Oh, it gets worse. What else he has here? We're going to hear a little bit. Let's hear what else he had in the bag. They stripped me and photographed me, all my tattoos. So they see the swastika tattoo. Okay. Oh, yeah. Then they make him take his shirt off. I, I, I sent you that picture there. You see you see the he's – he's got a, a swastika tattoo on, the, on his left breast, a giant one, right? You can see it, yeah. So they make him take off his shirt. And I have a tattoo machine – that also has a swastika. So they, all of this it, it initiated the Googling and initiated them taking front and back pictures of every T-shirt that I brought, which is all my stuff, right? So, you know, my art on there or the wing swastika on there or whatever. So they're taking pictures of all of them. First of all, he mentions that they take pictures of his T-shirts and this winged swastika. We're going to return to that later. So just remember, this is where he mentioned the wing swastika. Anyways, the Brits don't want anything to do with him, right? But they seize his phone and his iPad and tell him that under English law, they can hold his electronics for seven days. Now, he told the immigration uh, cops that he was actually headed somewhere to the Emerald Isle, right? So he was going to the homeland, because I hate to say this, dude, but he's Irish, okay? Or he has some Irish in him. So British immigration calls the Irish immigration saying that Hammer was planning on going to visit them and he was going to visit historic sites while tattooing, you know, Irish racists and not having a work permit. So the British said to the Irish, would he be admitted entrance to Ireland? And they say, no fucking way. <laughs> so then, of course, England didn't want him because they already have enough white skinhead racists, right? They don't want him either. 
So Paul Haas, Hammer, was basically deported, and he was forced to buy another one-way ticket back to the States, and he boarded an airplane to fly from Manchester back to Portugal and then back to New York. Has this guy ever traveled on a plane abroad before? (laughs) Apparently not, but he's learned his lesson, and he tells his gang how to travel afterwards. And he says, like, ship your luggage. Don't carry anything with you. Don't even have a phone. Just bring a book and ship everything over. It'd be cheaper. So he he at least learned a lesson from this. And but he gets searched all the time. All, like so he gets searched so many times. Okay. It's crazy. And he he's allowed to make one at one point a, a kind of like a SOS call. Okay. At one point he makes a phone call to somebody. I it's not clear who he called, because it could have either been his Irish friend, the Czech in England he was going to bang or an SOS call back to somebody in the States. But a, a phone call was made at that point. And then, you know, he gets, he's flying across the ocean uh, from Portugal to New York, lands in New York, he's searched again, and he's brought to an interrogation room by a black border agent, okay? And I'm not going to play you the whole tape of what he's talking about, because he is so bad. His use of the N-word, his use of just derogatory... Um, I had to cut a bunch of that out. So then the black border agent was um, supposedly doing a interrogation. And this is what Hammer said happened next. This fucking cop, this last cop sits me down to interrogate me. He's like, I already Googled you, this and that. Tell me, why do you, how do you feel about the swastika? It's like, dude, what are you talking about? I love Adolf Hitler. He's like, well, what does that mean, dude? And I think he was the greatest man in history. I mean, come on, we're, we, you let, let me in now? So, you know, after uh, a ideological uh, breakdown for this guy, right? Like, oh, no, I like Hitler. That's why I have a swastika. <laughs> okay. Yikes. I can't imagine why he keeps getting stopped all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, this guy's got to be on a no-fly list. But somehow he made it over. He was surprised, actually, that he was able to get on the flight. Let's see what happens next, okay? So they let him back into the United States. And there, um, he's like, what am I going to do now? And he's got, like, almost no money on him. And it's kind of like a desperate situation. He's in New York. He's got to get back to Maine. He sees a place that sells phones, burner phones. He's like, oh, I'm going to go get a burner phone. But just as he's on his way over, he sees a guy he recognizes. This guy from Connecticut, a neo-Nazi from Connecticut, who he'd met only once, but he recognized him. And that guy walks up to him and says, I'm your ride. And he was his first ride in a chain of seven Nazi drivers. It's like a Nazi carpool almost or ride. I don't know how you explain it. But after many hours, seven different Nazis drop one, drops them off here, just picks them up, brings them up. Like that. He finally got home to northern Maine. Um Wow. About three days after he left. Okay. So that's his story. Andy, what do you think? Is this believable? Uh, first, erasing his digital presence and then returning with this tale? I mean, it could be true. There's lots of details in it. It just seems like just so many screw ups and just, <laughs> just total, um, yeah, just total screw ups that I, it just seems like, yeah, this, this seems to check out. Um, I can see a guy like thinking he can go to Europe uh, and and carrying a bunch of Nazi paraphernalia and everything with a one way ticket, which is a little bit 
like I don't even know if you can get like a visa if you have a one-way ticket. I don't know, but all I know is if I was going to do something like this, I probably would have investigated it a little better. Yeah, I that's why I can believe it. I can believe that he didn't think at all what he was doing. Well, he's not the brightest bulb. Uh, there is a kind of funny conversation that he had uh, months before on a, on a terrible podcast where uh, it's a guy, a very big podcast, I'm not going to name it, but uh, who's like talking about Maine. He goes, Maine, that's part of New England, right? And like Hammer goes, oh, yeah, it's part of New England. The podcaster's from Texas. He goes, you know, I don't even know much about New England. What other states are there in New England? And he goes, um, <laughs> um, uh, Delaware. <laughs> This is a guy who who didn't even know what states are in New England coming to Maine and saying like we need to keep all these all these foreigners out, and he he doesn't even know the area at all. This is this is so common with these Nazis. They're always trying to start these white ethno states in Maine and know nothing about Maine. And you know who the connection between Maine and this dude perhaps is is Tom Kaczynski, uh, the right. Jackman. Uh, Tom Andrew that you and I exposed as a Nazi because Tom K is really good friends with Billy Roper. Billy Roper is friends with Hammer and Hammer has had a fear for years that the apocalypse is going to come and he wasn't going to be prepared. It's not hard to think that Billy Roper told Hammer, hey, you should check out Maine because land's cheap. and Right. Like Russell James. He's buzzed with Russell James, who has a, a bookstore as well, uh, in Machias, uh online bookstore that's filled with hate, hate, hate. I mean, these are really bad guys. Anyways, there's some more details coming up that may change your mind, Andy, on whether or not he's a Fed or not, or perhaps it might uh, reinforce your opinion that he is legit. One thing he did show uh, his uh, in, in, a, in a video sh shortly after that video, because people had questions about his health concerns. It's really weird. He held up to the camera like this printout, and it's, you can see the date on it. It's from December, so not that uh, very recent. From his doctor, with all his personal information on it, all these test results. So it was definitely not forged. Like It wasn't like him saying, oh, I'm sick. But it could have been something to do with uh, they thought he had cancer, but then they're like, no, you don't have cancer. Maybe it's something to do with these antibiotics you're taking, or perhaps it has something to do with the steroid abuse. Who knows? He was having some health issues. So that much is legit. You know, I like to have proof, right? There's the paper. Other than that, who knows? We're in late January at this point, okay? He's back in Maine on January 20th. That's when he uh, released another video uh, describing the latest news connected to the blood tribe land ownership and his plans to build many tiny houses for Nazis on the main property. But yeah, man, things have been awesome up here at the camp. Uh, we, uh, fuck, man, we're doing great. We, we have, like, literally Blood Tribe is currently in possession of over 120 acres already in land north of Bangor. So we're up here. We're doing it, man. The property just got, the main property just got expanded 10 acres. We bought a neighboring property. And with that comes all the utility, utilities we need. Septic, well, electric, and a whole cabin. So that's incredibly huge news. It's like uh, jumping up our project, probably I'd say a, a significant, I'd say a year. You know what? I'd say it's about a year's advantage 
on where where uh, we were at before we made that deal. That's his update for the Blood Tribe. He claimed at that point in early January that the Blood Tribe owned 120 acres plus the purchase of the new property with the well and septic and shack on it. First of all, I know that property with the well and septic and shack on it. You can tell from Google Earth where that is in conjunction to the piece of property that he bought. All this property is part of a 100-acre subdivision that was set up in the 70s. And Andy, you know, I've been homesteading for over a dozen years on this very nice piece of land in Western Maine. So I think I can offer a fair assessment of the land and the, the plan that he's got. Yeah. That land is pretty useless, okay? It's woodland, but all the good lumber was already cut, probably taken 20, maybe 30 years ago. So there's lots of small to medium trees, so you can maybe get some firewood out of it. But there's no timber for, like, dimensional lumber to build anything, right? And there's no agricultural land whatsoever, no garden to speak of, but he claims they're going to be making harvest and they're going to be doing – there's really no way to grow anything there. And then – the OG piece they bought for 20-something grand is just that one 10-acre slice. In this video, he claims that they got the house and land next door, and then also another additional 100 acres somewhere else. Well, I can't find any reference to any deed anywhere to any of that. Uh, not yet, at least. And my guess is he's not really telling the truth, and my guess is he's not going to get that land when you hear the rest of the story. Okay? Mm. So at this time, we're now in the third week of January, and he's staying with a friend in Lincoln or Lee because he doesn't have any dwellings yet on the land in Springfield. He's not going to stay in that collapsed tent, right? And I think it's time for a quick aside here. At the top of the show, I called Hammer a neo-Nazi influencer. And, you know, that might make some people chuckle, but, you know, neo-Nazis need influencers as well. So in addition to his personal videos, he also produces these short kind of five, six minute long philosophical uh, films full of this Aryan drivel, just, you know, with footage of World War II Nazis and modern Aryans, garbage, right? Boring stuff. But like what you'd hear from a long-winded influencer, except for it's Nazi, right? And not worth listening to. But there's another kind of different form of influencer video that this guy also puts out. Um, so Andy, there's no judgment on whether you've heard of what I'm about to say, but have you ever heard of, quote, Goldbacks? No, no, I haven't. Okay. Goldbacks is a relatively new microcurrency, okay? But it's not crypto because unlike most Nazis, Hammer claims he doesn't like crypto, although he does take Bitcoin and something called Monero, which is another crypto. But anyways, back to Goldbacks, okay? Goldbacks are these units of currency that are literally one one thousandth of a troy ounce of 24 karat gold. It's this very, very, very thin sheet of gold about the size of a dollar bill, and it's laminated, and they're sold in Utah, where they're very popular, Nevada, and New Hampshire. Those are the only places right now where you can get them. And the New Hampshire ones I looked at yesterday, uh, they have like different scenes from New Hampshire with like a Lady Liberty. They're almost like Liberty dollars, okay? People are using them in exchange for dollars instead of dollars, mostly in Utah. Like supposedly in Utah, maybe like 20 to 30% of businesses accept these goldbacks. I haven't really been able to find anybody in Maine that is selling these. And I know there's some being sold in New Hampshire, but I don't know anybody that's taking them. Hammer got turned on to them 
by one of the Nazis in the carpool that got him home from New York, like the New Hampshire guy told him about it. Like I said, he's an influencer and a tattoo artist, and he's digging this new currency. So... Yeah, yeah, I want to offer, like, if you want to pay for your tattoo with me, with Goldbacks, just wait till I give you a price in dollars and say, oh, wait, I'm going to pay in Goldbacks, and we'll take 20% off of the dollar uh, price that I did on tattoos if you pay me with the Goldbacks. Because I want to stack these. Yeah. What do you think of Goldbacks, Andy? And so you said these are like little, they're actually objects, like laminated gold it's laminated gold (laughs) (laughs) laminated gold very good laminate too not like any chintzy and very thin like like thinner than paper that's why they're in it right and they're they come in various denominations it's like one gold back five gold back (laughs) a 10 gold back and a 20 gold back and supposedly when you pay for stuff with the gold back you get I guess fiat currency back because there's like no gold back coins or yeah maybe it'd be like you know here's your change um they're just like tokens they're like nazi tokens you just or libertarian tokens they just share amongst each other i think that's it maybe libertarian yeah liberty dollars there's a reference somewhere to liberty dollars too so I, i'm just gonna start something like my own currency is just gonna be marbles you know, like <laughs> when we were kids, you'd play marbles with each other and everybody yeah. wanted the certain color. And the cool color. one, the cat's eye would be like the most valuable. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, the prettiest one. It's worth like a million dollars. I think the best currency, of course, is weed. But um, anyways, any thoughts on his 20% discount for the tattoos if you're paying gold backs? I, I don't really understand what he's doing here. Like, why is he? He wants to accumulate a lot of them. He wants yeah. to participate in this like micro currency. So he's like, the way I get a lot of them is, you know, because the way he makes his money is tattooing and a very strange reference I found somewhere where he gets $1,500 a month in what he calls a pension. Okay. Well, he was in the Marines for four years during peacetime. Okay. Yeah. Four yeah. year peacetime soldier somehow gets $1,500 a month. I don't know how that happens. Okay. It might've been, he was injured and you could have been injured during, you know, peacetime. Uh, So he gets 1500 bucks a month and he says, you know, does uh, four or five tattoos. Then he's good for the month. So he's like, he wants to stock. He says he wants to stack them. They love to use the word stack, stack bodies, stack. You know, that's, that's a term among these guys. Cause remember we've been kind of like, it's kind of lighthearted so far, right? We're making fun of this guy. Uh, You know, he doesn't know how to travel. Uh, he obviously doesn't know how to homestead. Um, he's 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 in over his head, and we're making fun of him. But I want to bring it back to something very serious. These are very, 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 very evil people, okay? Things are going to get a little dark here, so beware, listener. The day after the Goldback video, Hammer publishes another video answering a question from a follower about some comments that he made about the coming end times, because these guys believe end times are near too, right? And it's when the end times come that war brides will be taken, war brides, war. and raped by strong Aryan men. Okay, so I'm just going to let him explain this garbage here. And it's still true. The people will take war brides in the end of days, and it's it's just going to happen, okay? And, for you know, honestly, I don't find that liberal white women have the right to decide about how their reproductive system is going to be used if the world crumbles because of them. 
And I'm standing by that. I, I do find them to be uh, uh, enemies to us. And if they leave themselves on the position of being an enemy, they should be treated as such. And one of them is losing the rights and the uh, control of how their reproductive system is to be utilized. That is very scary for people to hear. And it is very edgy and it is not popular. But I don't care. They're tearing, uh, they're tearing our world down. They're burning it all up. And they're anti-white opposition. Oh, wow. The first time I heard that, I'm like, what's he talking about? Because I was, you know, I was doing other stuff. I'm, he's talking about reproductive systems, and I'm like, uh, is he talking about like uh, abortion debate or something? Or I had no idea. I was, you know, like I said, I was distracted doing something else. So I rewound it. I'm like, wait a minute, reproductive decisions about their reproductive systems? He's talking about whether or not they can control who has sex with them, right? I mean, he's talking about rape here. Yeah. Yeah. Rape of liberal white women. When you dig down deep into these guys, their most core core belief is misogyny. I mean, and 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 they're so angry that they look back into this sort of idealistic time, they think, when women were property, essentially. Yes. And what what happens is they just become like ISIS. You know, this mm. exact same thing that ISIS does is, is is taking these war brides, sex slaves or whatever. Um, and it's just incredibly ugly and scary. Um, because, you know, that this guy is obviously dead serious. Oh, yeah. And he's not the only one that feels this way, right? I mean, that's why it's so dangerous when we hear guys like this say, hey, come on up to Maine, because... The people he's inviting up to Maine share his opinion. Yeah. That's why they're coming. Okay, quick recap here. Hammer is staying in this tiny house. It is a tiny house that he built, okay, on somebody else's land. Okay, he built one of these tiny houses on somebody else's land. It's a friend of his. And his friend has a girlfriend, and she has kids. And again, it's either in the town of Lee or Lincoln. And he's working with his friend, doing construction, and apparently he's learning how to work with wood a little bit, but he's still not really knowing what to do. And this property is not his, where he has the, has the shack. And he has plans, I guess, to move it at some point, but whatever. So now we get up to the 12th of February. And for the last couple of weeks, uh, since the previous, you know, the, the actually the rape uh, comments, he'd been posting on a regular basis, uh, like snowshoe trips through the blood tribe lands, right? Like, Almost every day, he'd go snowshoeing because he's, he's using that as exercise. And then on, uh, I guess it was about the 12th or 13th of February, he goes quiet again. Hmm. The channel doesn't disappear, but you know his nonstop posting has stopped. And then on February 18th, he explains everything. And this time, he's filming in his truck in a Lowe's uh, store, Lowe's, you know, hardware store, whatever, parking lot somewhere, and it's not in Maine because there's no snow, it's sunny, you can see leaves in the distance, it's somewhere in the south, and he has another story to share with his blood tribe, okay? And according to Hammer, his pro-Hitler remarks revealed during the interrogation in New York where he says, like, I love Hitler when he came back from England, 
had triggered the eyes and ears of the feds, the FBI, supposedly. Okay. So in mid-February, all of his friends, all his normie friends in the Lincoln Lee Springfield area up there, uh, just north of Bangor, were door knocked by federal agents. Uh, These were the people he was staying with, the gym that he worked at, the realtor who sold him the land, the guy who owned owner financed the land, uh, a woman he'd had sex with. All these people got door knocked. And he claims that the feds knew that he was friendly with them, probably based on some sort of tracking device in his phone because he never had texts. He never texts these people, these normies. Anyways, Hmm. okay. None of his chud friends got door knocked, just these normies. So I'm going to play. This is the longest tape we're going to hear from him. I, I just figured it's it's about uh, two minutes long, but it, it's a way to hear exactly what he thinks is going on here. Uh, one thing I should have mentioned a little bit more, should have talked a little bit more on, is the degree and intensity um, they the feds went after the normies. See, the normies, they don't know to just say, I got nothing to say and to not talk to the feds. But even my buddy, the one buddy who did not talk to the feds, because everybody, everybody, it seems like they had a conversation with them, that, which was dumb. But it's hard to prepare people for something like this when these people, they don't understand the implications. They don't understand that we're at war and that these people are legitimately trying to destroy us and all that. They, they think it's more of a, a meme or just like a, a rant. They don't take it seriously, okay? Even my one friend who refused to talk to him when they came to his door, they went and called him several times. He didn't pick up, but they kept trying to call. He kept trying to call, kept trying to call. And uh, his girlfriend, chick I mentioned, they visited her and they called her multiple times. And they're bringing to these people screenshots of things I've said before. Do you want your kids around this guy? They're like emotionally provoking reactions out of him. Okay, it's not just that they were looking for information from these people. There's no, inf- they know, they knew there was no information to get from these people. That wasn't the intent. The intent was to literally destroy my relationships. Okay, to make sure I don't have a place to live, don't have a place to work, and all that. It's, it's very interesting, it's not surprising. But it's very interesting to observe the uh, strate- the strategic methods, okay? It wasn't all just like, because normally one of us gets visited, you say, I don't want to talk, and that's the end of it. They just give up. But they knew that these people would talk, and they knew that they could emotionally provoke them. And all they wanted, all they really wanted was to make sure that these people hated me. But yeah, they, they're just provoking emotions out of these people. And um, it's surprising in that uh, all of these normies still love me. All of these normies still love me. So why isn't he still in Maine? <laughs> Good question, right? Um, so I poked around a little bit up there uh, and I was able to call, leave a message uh, and email the owner of the gym because I'm not going to talk about the name of the gym, but it'd be very easy if you if you just think about who this guy is, what kind of gym you'd go to. And they haven't yeah. uh, gone back to me. And the one guy that um, there's supposedly one guy up there 
He slept once and called him Josh. He still has one friend up there, Josh. Josh didn't talk to them at all. And I have a feeling I know who Josh is, but I, I don't have 100%, so I don't really want to go there, right? So what do you think about that story? Do the feds do that? I mean, I, I'd, I'd never heard of, of feds knocking on doors and telling people not to hang out with a Nazi. Um, I mean, that's a good idea. <laughs> but, but I mean, did these people probably knew who, what he was all about and who he was beforehand. I mean, how could you not? I'm not sure of that. I don't know how out he is with the normie. Yeah. Okay. He could just be like a weird inked tattoo artist to most people. Yeah. Right. Like he had been burned once before in San Antonio, Texas, where he used to be a tattoo artist. So he's kind of wary yeah. of exposing himself in the real world. Right. It's like two different people. There's Chris Polhouse and then there's hammer. Right. It's like two different guys. That being said, in all likelihood, they're at least, um, chuds of some sort. It'd be hard to hang out with somebody if you were a leftist and you saw. Right. Maybe they didn't see his tattoos. I don't know. This is what I'm saying. This is the kind of like weird part. Okay. Like, yeah. Were they actually doing an investigation? I mean, that's one of the things. So, like, yeah, maybe the feds don't go around and knock it on doors saying, hey, there's a Nazi in the neighborhood, but are they investigating something else? Right. So they're going out shoe leather saying, okay, we're, we're investigating this guy. What do you know about him? And he says, well, they didn't know nothing about me because they just think I'm a, you know, tattooist or whatever. I always just assume that the feds are tracking all of these guys and that they, they know what they're up to. They know what they're doing. You know, maybe they're waiting for them to slip up. I mean, we, we've got this fusion center in Augusta, right? That's got all this mm. controversy over it for tracking activists, you know, set up after 9-11 with the Department of Homeland Security. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure they're probably keeping tabs on these guys. Although some of the stuff that Nathan's reported on, they don't seem terribly com uh, competent, but... Uh, well, and after, if you think about it, after the insurrection, like we knew more about the people that were in D.C. that were from Maine than the feds did, right, for a while. Yeah. Yes, perhaps the Fusion Center is watching, but also many cops are incompetent. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those unknowns, because I, if I call the FBI and say, hey, did you guys go, you know, harass Hammer's friends up in, in, in Lee, Maine? They're going to say, we're not going to tell you that, right? <laughs> yeah. This is one of the things that complicates this a little bit, because we'll return to this, but it's like uh, he, he wipes his socials clean. Then he has this thing where, oh, I went to England and I got deported, which then creates the reason for the cops to come and investigate him. So now the feds come to Maine and his main support network is in shambles. So then the dude hits the road in his truck, which is laden with tattoo gear and his Hummer Waffen swag, including the you know, swastika hats, the flags, patches, stickers, right? And he embarks on this cross-country couch surfing and tattooing tour. All right, He was in Arkansas, maybe Mississippi, probably in Ohio, and then maybe he headed west for a little bit, perhaps to Arizona. And that's where his, I guess, soon-to-be ex-wife and, sadly, his kid lives. And remember, this is back in mid-February that, that he, he left Maine. So then, seemingly out of nowhere, on March 11th, 
he reappears in Wadsworth, Ohio. Okay, Andy, is he a Fed or not? Wow. I mean, like you said earlier, there are so many options, right? He could be a federal informant. Um, I, I don't think he's a Fed. There's no way that he could be like an undercover federal agent. He wouldn't be an actual yeah. FBI agent no. putting on this tattoo and you know going deep because this is right. years that he's right. been doing this, right? So, that, But there's various levels. There's informants. Right, yeah, yeah. Sources. Uh, we can talk about the the honeypot for a second. Maybe a, a lot of listeners might not be familiar with the honeypot idea and espionage. It's like uh, using a prostitute to get a source to reveal something or to put them in a compromising position. In the world of you know feds and Nazis and stuff like that, a honeypot is like they're using him. They're letting him, for lack of a better word, go out and do this stuff. So the feds see who he attracts. Right. So that they can say, okay, well, we know that Jimmy Jim Marino, he's a Nazi because he's going and hanging out with Hammer, right? So they're like yeah. pulling the cockroaches out of the out of the walls by uh putting him there. And at that rally in Ohio the other day, there was the Blood Tribe, Proud Boys, Patriot Front, a lot of smaller groups and random chuds too. And this shouldn't be a surprise, but there's infighting among them too, right? And some of them are always saying, oh, he's an informant. Or so again, honeypot. I mean, is that, I don't even want to call it a honeypot. It should be like a shit pot, right? It should be <laughs> attracting flies. I think that that's very possible. I think he, I think he probably is. I mean, that, that's what I was trying to get at earlier is that like the feds will follow these guys and keep tabs on them. And, and like you said, come in and, and, uh, you know, see who's see who's who's attracted to that group and who's involved, and they sort of connect all the dots. So they sort of build files on all these different guys. Um, you know, and even us hillbillies up in Maine, you know, <laughs> we're able to track them too. Um, and so I, I I think that that's probably what they're doing. It's actually a good strategy, right? Um, provided nothing goes wrong, and what that going wrong could be is that he could be inspiring, uh, you know, a lone wolf uh, gunman. Yep. I got to tell you, you and I both have done this these sorts of investigations for many years now, and when I went into the Blood Tribe Ohio chat on Telegram, um, I had, like, a very bad experience. I, I really don't want to talk about this, but just to show how bad these people are, I, I had a bad experience uh, which I normally don't have because usually I'm able to kind of like put a shield up around me when I'm looking at the stuff. So I'm scrolling and, and clicking on stuff. And it was just after the uh, event in Ohio and there's videos of them from different perspectives. So I click on this thing thinking it's a video and I, I've got that open plus other things. I'm, you know, I'm multitasking on my investigation. It's just going. So this video starts to play and it takes me about seven to 10 seconds uh, before I realized what it was and it was a live stream of the Buffalo shooter. Wow. And I'm like trying to shut it off. Cause honestly, I don't want to see that. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how it's like, Oh, it's in this window. I'm trying to turn it off. And it's, I, I'm just like, ah, 
right? Yeah. So these are the scumbuckets. These are the type of people we're talking about, right? That you know, will repost such horrendous, terrible stuff that that will inspire other people. And like after the the blood tribe got you know all over the place after this event because they're like screaming Nazi slogans, they got swastikas, they're doing Sig Heil, they're doing the Roman salute. They've got most of them have guns, right? And that you know they they were they took control of that rally, right? There are cops there. But the the cops didn't do anything because they weren't doing anything illegal, apparently. So they get the Blood Tribe Ohio gets a lot of credibility after that. And so in their chat, they're like, oh, man, you know, thanks for all the cred, but it helps that Hammer visits us. And then another guy, another guy from the Blood Tribe Ohio says, Hammer showing up. Yeah, that's a pleasant surprise. He's slowly becoming our Rockwell. Okay. Rockwell, Andy, you want to talk about Rockwell for a second? George Lincoln Rockwell um, actually grew up in Maine, and he was the founder of the American Nazi Party. Um, and back in the 50s. Well, hold on. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you. When we say he grew up in Maine, he was here during summers, okay? Well, he went to school at Hebron Academy. 20 minutes from here. He founded what is said to be the first ad agency or co-founded the first ad agency in Maine, which is a weird thing. Right. Oh, he's a propagandist. <laughs> right. And he was in World War II. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think he was Navy. And then, like you just said, then he founded the American Nazi Party. And he was the, the, the troll who would go around to college campuses all around the country with his followers. And he'd get media wherever he went. And he ended up um, being shot by one of his comrades uh, in a laundromat in Virginia. Um, and at the time... They were all desperately poor, living on cat food. So, you know, I hope, hope that there's a comparison. You know, I hope he's the next George Lincoln Rockwell. <laughs> um, but he's obviously very charismatic, uh, and that's kind of frightening. You know, I haven't seen a a, a big Nazi leader who, who sort of has that ability yet. You know, there's been a bunch of wannabe George Lincoln Rockwells, but you know, maybe he is. Rockwell charismatic, but also you just want to punch him in the face so hard, right? But you can see how he inspires. Yeah, and he only people. had like ten followers or something, you know, probably more. But he was very influential. I do love that story of the assassination because, um, you know, he went to go do his laundry. He went to go do his laundry at the laundromat, and his second in command. And I always mess this up. The guy uh, he was Italian, but he changed his name to like Nittler or something like that. The assassin's name was Nittler who lived in the shack with him where they were all eating cat food and he guns George Lincoln Rockwell down while, you know, the founder of the American Nazi party is washing his, you know, stained tidy whities Right. Um, so these guys, you know, hopefully will have a similar uh, collapse at the end, but until then I see him, you know, maintaining this leadership because there are obviously people who agree with him. But also, in that really far-right, white supremacist world, there are a lot of people who are disagree with him and are very pissed at Hammer for bringing the swastikas because they don't like swastikas. Like, Patriot Front, Oh yeah. as much as they're as abhorrent as the rest, but they're not going to be using swastikas, right? They're going to be using, like, Blue Lives Matter flag or... And I always hear people on, you know, 4chan and stuff like that read them. You know, they hate those people and they think that they're just honeypots or feds or whatever. Um, 
because they want to appeal to sort of the MAGA crowd and insert their narrative into their grievances. Yes. They want to get the conservatives on their side. And a conservative, and maybe even some of the wacky conservatives, maybe even like QAnon conservatives, are still put off by by the swastika, <laughs> right? Hopefully. Yeah. They keep trying to revive the swastika. And just immediately, like that's what most everybody thinks when they see a swastika they're like okay that's a white supremacist all the other things that they say the sort of um you know um code words and dog whistles and stuff like that they can get away with talking about jewish people and black people and stuff but once the swastika comes up it's pretty clear what they stand for and so a lot of these other groups like patriot Front, really rely on plausible deniability well for sure it was about uh five days after the rally in Ohio, he brings up what we're talking about, the swastika debate. Uh, and he does like a 20-minute voice message. I want you to hear his voice after the rally. Good afternoon, everybody. I uh, First, I want to apologize for my voice. Look, it's, it's pretty fucking shot right now, okay? And um, hopefully I keep finding excuses to blow it out. So this might be my new voice from now on. You might have to get used to it. This broadcast is going to be pretty intense. Sounds like the Hulkster. He does. Is he back on the roids? Who knows? But, I mean, after we've listened to a lot of tape of him during this episode, that is a dramatic change in his yeah. delivery, yeah. right? It's like he went over some of the stuff he was doing in the rally was like over the top. Yeah. The yelling, the yelling through megaphones the throwing the uh, Roman salute, all the stuff. Like he was really like there and he quit doing roids. He says, man, quit smoking weed and quit drinking, supposedly whatever. But we're going to go back to the tape here. Apparently, like we're talking about, you know, some people don't like the swastika in his movement. I guess the term optics cucks, right? Yes. What's what's the optics cuck? What's that? Someone that cares about. Uh, Cares about optics. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to see swastikas and rallies because it makes everybody look bad. Who who agree with who who have the same vision uh, and agree have the same ideology, but don't want to be portrayed as Nazis because once the swastika appears, everybody knows that they're Nazis. So those are the optics cucks. It's all about optics. Okay. Well, he says the flag must fly. At, all right. Well, I'm going to let him tell us. While we can carry the flag and the torch and bear the symbol of National Socialism, we will. If we only have one responsibility, it is that. The place where the flag can fly, the flag must fly. It is our responsibility to march. We see ourselves as a spiritual incarnation of Aryan resistance. This is not a uh, a, an action of uh, propaganda to us. This is not red pilling for us. We are the flame bearers. We are the flame bearers. Okay. So obviously he's going to continue to sell and use the swastika flag, right? Uh, but like any good grifter, I think that Hammer's experience with these white supremacists dissing him for using the swastika, saying it's bad optics, and in some places it's actually illegal right, to, to fly the, the Nazi battle flag. So Hammer's come up with a solution and a new product, okay? So you remember back when the British customs agents took photo of all his gear and his T-shirts and he mentioned the winged swastika, 
I, I didn't know what winged swastika was. I, I, you know, Google image search, you really don't find anything for winged swastika. Sometimes you see like German Air Force stuff or whatever, but that wasn't his style. So then yesterday in his Telegram channel, he posted a new image, one that he calls the Blood Tribe Winged Swastika, which is intended to be a flag to be flown wherever swastika flags are. I sent you that, Andy. You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it. I'm not sure what that is. It, it's, it looks like wings, right? Yeah. It's like four wings put together kind of like in the shape of the swastika, but without the bends at the ends, you know? And kind of looks like more like a, a, a throwing star. <laughs> it does look like a throwing star. Okay, so first of all, what's your thought about the, uh, you know, being able to have a blood tribe wing swastika flag that will be flown everywhere where the swastika is illegal? That's what he says, that post. It's not very pleasant to look at. I mean, it's not, you know, like a, a swastika is like there, it's it's very well designed for a logo, but this just looks kind of weird. I mean, it's got a bunch of feathers on it and stuff like that black and white feathers and it looks like a throwing star i don't think it's gonna catch on you would need an explainer of some sort to go with it it's like this is the wing swastika you know yeah and besides like in europe they already have a replacement for the swastika they just fly the confederate battle flag really oh yeah for years yeah you'd see like fascist parties flying the battle flag because they can't fly the swastika you know it's basically the same thing <laughs> did not know that Wow. Okay, Andy, time for your final verdict. Is Hammer a fed? No, I think he's a honeypot. Okay. All right. What is he going to do with that piece of 10 acre main land that he has? So we're going to have to monitor the situation. And I, I have someone, I think, now in the Springfield area who can help uh, keep an eye on the property. But as you saw in one of the photos that I sent you, it was that kind of woodland photo. He's on the left, and you see there's a swastika flag flying on that piece of land in Maine right now. Yeah, and it's it's pretty pathetic-looking swastika flag, to be honest. <laughs> Once your swastika flag makes it through a Maine winter, you really have to have a flag-burning ceremony. Yeah, it, it's, it looks like somebody painted a swastika on a, on a scrap of clothing and just hung it on a on a branch. Like, it's like, like something like a little kid would put up, right? Without knowing it was. Yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like on a tree house. He doesn't even have a tree house there. Yeah. Right. Um, there's one more final part to the story that I want to touch on briefly here. And it's about the very distinctive rune tattoo. Uh, a rune is, um, I don't know you how to explain it. It's like a, a Norse. Like a, like a glyph. Uh, yeah. Like a glyph alphabet. Okay. So Hammer has a very distinctive rune tattoo on his face and skull. We found the runes and then uh, put them together. And then actually, after we identified the runes, we put them in a rune translator, okay, <laughs> online that you could find. Nice. Which has a keyboard with the symbols on it as opposed to letters. And because there's a line that goes vertically through the entire rune, those are all, those are five individual runes stacked and joined by a line, okay? They love stacking. Yeah, they love stacking. And actually, I have been in contact uh, with some actual good pagans, and they're like, that's a weird way to do it, okay? But it spells out Wooten, W-O-T-A-N. Well, Wooten, Wooten. Okay, this is Odin, okay? This is the, the Norse god of war. 
And uh, when uh, true um, Nazi pagans are praying, <laughs> if you can believe they pray, yeah. Um, where Christians say amen at the end, they say Wu-Tan or oh, okay. whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this leads us on to something I can only touch briefly here. Uh, and we need to revisit it because it's interesting. The, the pagan Nazi, uh, which is a major part of the white supremacist movement in America. We're seeing it now, right? The oh, pagan yeah. Nazi. I mean, Hammer worships at the same Odinist altar. Okay. You get this? The same religion as the order. Oof. Yeah. Also known as the Aryan resistance movement who were responsible uh, for the 1984 murder of talk show host Alan Berg. Talk radio is a movie about that murder. Yeah. And a series of these very violent armed robberies that ended up funding a lot of white supremacists across America in the 80s and 90s. They they robbed the armed cars and uh, armored cars and stuff and sent the money to like mainstream bad guys. Anyway, there's this division within the pagan community, like Nazis versus non-Nazis, and I think that could use some further exploring. Also, there's conflict and some agreement between the Nazis and the Christian identitarians who dominate the Christian nationalist circles, right? So that's a whole other can of worms. Like, who are the Nazis and the Christian identitarians who get along? Well, that's like the Billy Roper types and all these other accelerationists who want things to go bad quickly so they can rebuild their own little micro ethnostates. Right. The balkanization is what they're pushing for. The balkanization of the United States into various, you know, regional ethnostates and hammer would be in charge of the one up here in new England, replacing Tom Kaczynski who had been their boy before. But the Christian nationalists, Christian identitarians, and Nazis getting together, well, some Nazis can't stand the Christian identitarians. Some Nazis have a very visceral hatred for Christians because Christians worship Jesus, and Jesus was a Jew. Right. So, all goes back to that. There are Odinists around here. I know that there's a Odinist, um, there was at least an Odinist uh, chaplain at the main state prison. Um let me just interject. Just because you're an Odinist, right, doesn't mean you're a Nazi because half of them are and half of them aren't. Right. So you have to kind of dig to see what kind of Odinist are they, right? right? And um, as I'm learning from doing the research, it's it's very easy to tell once you see who their influences are. So you have to kind of like go, who is who is the chaplain's, uh, you know, mentor? Like, Right. Because all this is very new. You know, they love to say this is like an ancient North mythology. You know, this is it was it was started in, in basically 1907 is the first English speaking Odinists. There were Germans that were had a, uh, the kind of like traditional uh, folk stuff that had started in the late 1800s. But this is a relatively new ancient religion, and a lot of it's made up, and a lot of it is influenced by Wicca. Uh, you know, the witch practice. Oh, yeah, Wiccan, yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot of the Wiccan cool ceremonial stuff was stolen by the early pagans. It's pretty fascinating. They were, they were like recycling what they wanted from Christianity and from these other texts and kind of creating their own mishmash. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to delve into there. So like where are these groups in Maine that are Odinists? I mean, how do we even figure out? Are they right? 
Nazi Odinister, they like the ones that want to hug you. And and the ones that want to hug you really want to hug you. <laughs> the ones that are not Nazis are like really wonderful people, right? Right. So it's very strange. And if we look at Christianity the same way, you know, there's some great Christian folks, but there's some that want to kill us as well. So. Right, right. And I and I think that, like, this is another example of how the right loves to appropriate things. They never have any new ideas of their own. You know, the nationalist, National Socialist Party, they're just trying to appropriate some sort of vaguely leftist language and sort of take what they want out of there. And it, but it's all the same thing. It's It's a... It's a ideology of violence and hate. Um, and I just don't think it's going to fly here in Maine. There's been so many attempts over the years to try to create white ethno states in Maine, whether it's Tom Kaczynski, you know, Russell James talked about this, there are other sort of Nazi homesteaders that have come and gone. Um, and it's just, I, I don't think that that's, that that's appealing to most Mainers. You know, if they are conservative, they're relatively libertarian. Um, for the Nazis, I think this is fool's gold for them. They look at our demographics and say, oh, they're predominantly white. And that's not to say that racism doesn't exist here. It certainly does. But this brand of violent ideology, just really bigoted, nasty stuff, um, is just not going to catch on. But what's dangerous about them is that they influence people to commit mass murders, these so-called lone, lone gunmen and everything. And they really need to be watched closely and, and made sure that they don't, that they don't take root. And I think that's sort of what we're doing with this podcast. I think that Mainers will reject any white ethno state, but I hate that they Nazis move here. Yeah. But all that being said, I'm glad that Hammer has that distinct face tattoo and that he's a skinhead. Yeah. Because that makes it easier for folks to identify this Chud if and when he decides to return to Maine. Our action this last weekend only added power to the swastika. And we will continue to invest in that swastika so that when we are gone, the fire in our hearts will remain eternally. Nothing you say will stop us. Nothing you say will slow us down. I look forward to hearing from you. Hail Hitler! Hail the frenzied one! Hail Wotan! Oh, hail the new dog! Thank you for listening. Please take a second to rate and review the Crash Program wherever you download, or take several minutes telling a pal about the episode. Also, if you want to support our show financially, visit CrashBerry.com for the Patreon link, and more information about the perks, including free art and books, early and exclusive content, invites to real-life meetups in Maine, and you become part of the community supporting independent journalism and stories that go places others won't. He's big and strong, he's sad and mad.